Welcome to Excellent Questions. I'm your host, Yahya Kella. Today, we're talking about counting and business analysis with one of my oldest friends, Cindy. Cindy studied commerce at the University of Guelph and did various jobs after graduating until settling into a job at a major commercial real estate company. We talked about how she transitioned from accounting. Uh, we talked about continuous learning and so much more. So let's dive right in. I love fried chicken. I think you're close to uh, Cluck Clucks. It's a it's a chicken and waffles place. That's in Kensington, isn't it? No, it's on uh, Sherburn and uh, Front Street, I believe. Uh, oh. No, Esplanade. Oh, I've seen this place. I walk past it all the time when I go to the market. Yeah, it's it's so good. I You're like gonna it. gain like a hundred pounds eating there. I think that's already happened. It's been COVID, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like the weather's nice enough to go outside, but because I'm so used to staying home, like you know, to stop the spread and all that, I, I'm not in the habit of going out anymore. Yeah. Uh, so I'm trying to get back into it, but it's hard because you're just so used to being like don't go out you know yeah so what is your job exactly so i'm an analyst um mainly analyzing projects at a real estate company Uh, it's a commercial real estate company um i do a lot of data analysis and then i also do a lot of ap it's about probably 30 percent of the role but we're trying to get more into reporting and improving the data uh for the company Hmm. AP, what, what does that mean? Uh, sorry, it's uh, accounts payable. So it is part of the accounting department, my team. Um, but it's a lot, like we're trying to improve a lot of things for the whole company in terms of data integrity and like just cleaning things up because there was a merger a few years ago between two companies that were very, very different. And um, it's still just the residual dirty data, so to speak, uh, that we're cleaning up Mm. and making better for everybody. So how are you cleaning that data? Firstly, we're identifying like, what does this data represent? Uh, And then we standardize how we want to keep track of the data going forward. So it's a lot of like renaming, uh, removing like codes that are no longer serve their purpose and adding codes uh, to better identify things to make into a report. So how did you get into this whole space? You know, um, I guess starting off with your accounting degree or was it, was it specialized in accounting? Yeah, it was. Uh, it, it was a, I did specialize in accounting. Uh, my degree, there's no like bachelor of accounting. Uh, So I do have a commerce degree and I majored in accounting from Guelph. Um, I should have known back then that accounting wasn't entirely for me, which is also why I like my position right now. It's not just accounting. It's like I get exposed to a lot of different things. Um, Yeah, so I kind of just fell into the role. I thought it was more project management based which it still kind of is. We have a lot of little projects that like I head or I, I collaborate a lot with my teammates and people outside of my team. Um, so 
I don't know if I'm still trying to go for project management, but accounting background really helped in the current situation. Yeah, yeah, totally. I know a couple of data analysts who have accounting backgrounds. Yeah. Um, they got into, you know, hashtag AI. It's not, and... <laughs> it's not uncommon that people go into the accounting major and most of them are in it for the money and then they realize the money isn't enough. That wasn't really my case because I because I thought I loved accounting enough, <laughs> but <laughs> I don't. So so accounting is not my favorite thing of life. So I'm really glad that it's not the majority of my job right now. Nice. Yeah. We fall into the accounting department umbrella, but we're not purely accounting, mm. which is quite nice. So you mentioned you fell into this role. Like, Did you think it was something entirely different? Or um, did you see it and you were like, I want that? I actually thought this job was very different. I thought that there were bigger projects to handle. Um, so at the time, the position was called Asset Management Coordinator. Mm. Um, so I wasn't entirely sure what that fully entailed. And then it kind of... It's constantly changing, I guess. The core of the job doesn't change much in that it's AP data integrity reporting. But I thought it would be more, I don't know. It's just, it wasn't the job that I thought it was, even as I had started. But I'm glad that it isn't what I thought it was when I started. Hmm. Do you need accounting to do this role? Yes, yes. Uh, even though I said that it's not mainly accounting, you do need to have the accounting background or at least be able to understand the basic concepts of accounting. Um, because we do a lot of reporting and like we're cleaning up the data, we need to understand what the data will do in the end. You can't just like, okay, we're going to rename this code or something. Um in hopes that it will display the data that people want. Like you need to understand how it all flows. Otherwise you're just changing an apple to Granny Smith apple. And then everyone's like, that's not what I need. It's not helpful for me that you're cleaning it this way. Um, so accounting does help a lot to understand the impacts as well of the data. Um, what, but you can always learn things on the job. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of things you can just learn. Accounting helps as like a ground base, but it's, I wouldn't say it's a hundred percent mandatory, maybe just 50%. <laughs> well, so what's your typical day like when you, uh, you know, walk into your kitchen, fire up the laptop? What's um, the first thing you do? Probably see if there's any fires to put out. <laughs> there's always someone who needs data displayed in a certain way, or they don't know how to access the data. So that's a lot of the problem too. It's just from the merger, people don't know how to access the data they used to anymore. Uh, a lot of things have been like decommissioned or um, we just don't use the system anymore. So I put out, I help people that way. 
Um, we've had a lot of training sessions for the company and whether or not it sinks in, it, it's half, half. <laughs> some people pay attention. Some people rely on a guide or they just rely on us to help them from time to time. So my day is just mostly checking, like checking emails to see if anyone needs help. Um, there's a lot of meetings going on uh, at the moment to kind of refine the process. Uh, there's probably about six different departments involved to really clean up. Like my boss's team, before I had joined, they um, refined the data a lot already. And now we're at the point where we can refine the process. We're like, okay, the data is clean enough that we can do something with it. Now let's see how we can change how what goes into this um, so we can have a better future going forward. And really synthesize i guess what we can output Mm. how many meetings like how many hours of meetings do you typically have every day it probably varies from zero to three oh some days some days i actually won't have any meetings which is pretty great because then i can just focus on (laughs) on all my outstanding work but then usually it's about three hours on average per week i'd say 10 hours a week okay yeah fair enough i think that's pretty fair to say 10 hours yeah what makes a good analyst oh that is a tough question Sometimes I don't know if I count myself as an analyst in, in the pure sense of the term of an analyst. Um, I think wanting to understand the program you're working with and what the data represents is what would make a good analyst. If you don't know how to use the program, you're not, it's going to be very hard to deliver the outputs you want. You're constantly relying on someone else and you're they might not know if the system can do something, but then you still want them to do a rep- an analysis that may or may not be possible. And if, also, if you don't understand the data, what are you trying to get out of that? Out of the, if you don't understand the information, like what the data represents, there's no point to do an analysis. You're just looking at numbers. You're not looking at the meaning behind the numbers. Yeah. So I think that's what a good analyst should have, an understanding of the data itself, not like beyond the one plus one. It, it has quantita- quantitative data with it. I think that's what makes a great analyst. Because then you can think of better ways to improve things. Yeah, totally. Uh, even in you know more technical jobs, you have to understand what the data means. Yeah. Otherwise, you're just a, I don't know, someone sitting at a desk, <laughs> plugging away nine to five, mindlessly. So. <laughs> so understanding the data, would you say that you would need some kind of. Uh, business accounting background to to know what you're seeing no can you learn that on the job not necessarily yeah i think you can learn on the job as long as you are willing to learn you don't really need a strong background in any field it definitely helps and it might help you land a job or get you in the door for an interview but i think 
as long as you're showing the willingness to learn, people will always take a chance on you. Like they see that you're curious enough that they're like, okay, this person could actually work out. So hopefully that answers your question. Yeah. Yeah. What's the best thing about being an analyst? (laughs) Cash. I'm not too sure. Um, I guess in my current position, I, it's just nice to see how it can, how my reports or my team's reports, I should say, how it helps people in their day to day, how it actually improves like what they need because people have been struggling for so long uh, since the merger. It's just nice to hear that. I'm so thankful that this report now exists and now my day is easier and I can spend more time doing the things that matter, like helping our tenants and, you know, thinking about ways to improve the business overall. Like, it's just, it's nice to see they don't need to stress and worry about trying to find information. It's all just there now. Yeah. So that's pretty good. (laughs) Yeah, earlier you were saying I don't consider myself totally an analyst. Why do you think that? I don't know. I kind of always thought analysts were supposed to be super tech savvy. As in kind of like a someone who knows how to code almost. They know how to manipulate the data very well and it's very easy for them. Or they're just so used to looking at data and being able to pull useful information from it. I don't. I. I don't know. <laughs> do you not do that? I do, but I still question a lot of it, and it's. I guess I'm just not confident enough in my ability to analyze the data to say that I am a data analyst, even though it is my job. (laughs) 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 There's confidence in some areas, but in other areas, you're just like, "Eh, it could be better. And then you, you do try to get better. You read up, um, Unlike what other people are doing, you watch YouTube videos, you learn, you watch tutorials, you join lunch and learns. It's just a lot of improvement. You can always learn. You can. It's always a work in progress. No one's ever final state. Yeah. So, yeah. I guess I'm just not a strong analyst, and which is why I would, I wouldn't necessarily call myself an analyst. But your colleague, your uh, coworkers, call you an analyst. <laughs> sometimes sometimes they call me accounts payable which hurts a little bit but i mean it is still part of the job (laughs) it depends on who you're asking in the the company (laughs) yeah well there's a lot of analyst jobs that uh people are not coding at all for this is true they're telling people who code what to do yeah, well, even uh, even not not uh, not using code at all. Like, uh, there are a lot of analyst jobs that just use Excel or Tableau, 
uh, or just SQL, which I guess is sort of code, but. I mean, we use, so that's the thing, like my company, we have people who use SQL and they are the ones who are helping us like run inquiries all the time. So I feel like to be a, a great analyst, I, or to even be able to call myself an analyst, I want to be able to use SQL and kind of understand how SQL works uh, rather than watch someone else do it. Mm. Yeah. So I'm, it's in progress. <laughs> I tried to learn a SQL before and I didn't have a reason to, so then I dropped that, but now I kind of have a reason to, so that's nice. Yeah. yeah. Stay tuned for Cindy's transformation into <laughs> an hashtag AI expert after learning <laughs> SQL. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Stay tuned. Um, what was the other thing? Uh, there was another thing in my mind. It just slipped out. Damn it. I'm sure it'll come back in more of my ramblings. <laughs> the um, What's the worst thing about your job? Sometimes being called accounts payable is the worst part. <laughs> <laughs> like people think that's purely all we do. And I'm like, that kind of cuts deep. <laughs> Please understand that we do more than that. Um, but the worst part, I think it's just the frustration of not being able to access old data. Um, some of it was locked away due to like people not understanding what data the data represented. So we constantly need to ask for access to old files. And the old files are in a very different format from what we're using. So I think that's kind of the worst part. We need to like manually search through old folders on decommissioned hard drives. And that's, it feels like a waste of time, but again, it's necessary time to be wasted because then it's better going forward. Right. Um, so that would probably be the worst aspects of the job. Just people labeling us as purely accounts payable. And then uh, the data digging. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's uh, frustrating. I feel like a lot of issues have been uh, still lingering after this merger. Oh, big time. The two companies that merged into one or are still, I guess, being merged internally into one is that they ran so differently. And the businesses were, they're, they're both, they were both real estate companies, but one managed like office portfolios and the other one was more focused on retail, like your typical plazas with a grocery store, um, those kind of tenants. So the way the companies were run were so different. And then the data you would think would be the same is not the same because everyone had different requirements. And this is also a national company. So you can only imagine how much cleanup there is because the regions ran everything differently before. So it's a lot of streamlining, uh, which has gotten a lot better. Um, according to my boss, we're in the last, <laughs> last like 10%. So we're almost there. And I'm like, oh my, <laughs> if this is the last 10%, I can't imagine being here like at the initial stage of the merger. That would have been crazy. Yeah. How many years do you think it takes to like iron out all those merger things? 
Oh, depends on the size of the company and the willingness of everyone to change, I guess. Um, probably a good four years, I would say. So the merger happened probably in, I think, 2018. Now it's 2021. So yeah, we're getting to the final stretch, um, I would say. It doesn't look too bad. Like everyone's kind of gone on board, gotten on board, and they realize like, here are the pain points that collectively, collectively everyone feels. And they do want to improve it. Anyone who didn't want to improve, I guess they've left the company by now. Um, just because you can tell from the turnover rate that something was up, but it's just they, they couldn't adapt and they made the choice to leave. Or in some cases, they were forced to leave. It's <laughs> a nice wanna, way to put it. Yeah. You don't want someone to impede your change and your improvements. You want people to move forward with you. So I think about four years is pretty safe to say after a merger. Mm. What would you do if you could start over? My career? Yeah. Or do you, what do you mean by start over? Like start over school-wise, start over <laughs> in like high school when you're in like grade 10, trying to pick your courses for life. <laughs> There's a lot of things you could start over. Would I do that though? No, I wouldn't be where I was today. You can always learn. You don't need to restart. Well, maybe in grade like 10, I'd be like, hmm. Maybe focus outside of STEM. <laughs> Don't focus solely on like taking science courses, business courses, econ. I think I should have taken maybe a psychology or sociology course just to be more well-rounded. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't have any regrets to where I got today. I'm glad I took psychology in grade 12. Yeah. I took a spare. <laughs> <laughs> Self-directed learning. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I did do like a lot of reading on the side on my own. So that was enough. I didn't need to specialize, I guess. But what is that? Um, master of none? Yeah. <laughs> Jack of all trades. You're a Cindy yeah. of all trades. Yeah. <laughs> Cindy of all trades, master of none. <laughs> I think that's, that's pretty accurate for everything in my life. <laughs> that's good in a way. You know, a lot of jobs require that. Uh, they're just not very well known. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. It's hard sometimes when you have so many diverse interests to kind of pick and choose a job that you think would be enough. And when I say enough, I mean like it's an it motivates you to get up in the morning or motivates you to be on time for work. It's very hard to find a job like that. Hmm. I think a lot of people end up in positions and they think that's what they want and then they find it very hard to wake up in the morning. Um so I'm glad that I don't have that. <laughs> I find it easy to wake up in the morning for my job just because it's a very diverse role. Uh, I think I've gone off on a tangent here. <laughs> <laughs> but I've been in positions where it was really hard to wake up because I just, I, I hated my job. And I think there's many factors into why. 
that is, or that was, I should say. It's the company. It was the role. It's it was like a lot of life uncertainty. Uncertainty. So, I've actually changed jobs a lot in the past couple of years, which is normally a red flag, I would say, for human resources, like or recruiter. But for those that do give me a chance, I'm always thankful for them to be like, "Hey, do you want an interview?" <laughs>、um, because I always have reasons. It's just I people are are always. Changing their mind. No one's really set in stone, right? Always a work in progress. And I bounced around from field to field. So I was in kind of an HR role before. I was like a team leader、um, in an admin position, and then I was in accounting. And it's just I hop around, still kind of in the business, like I guess traditional business field. If you want to group it together, it's just. I don't know. I think it's nice to be diversified in interests and skill sets. I agree. How did you?、Uh, did you learn a lot about real estate in this job? Oh my goodness! Yeah, <laughs> there's a term in real estate, greenfield, and what that is: a greenfield is a piece of land that has never been developed, and it's being Looked into. So when I first started,、uh, when I learned the term, I made a joke. It was very lame. I was like, "Real estate is so new to me that I'm like a greenfield. It's just it's ready to be developed and improved." So it took me probably about three months <laughs> to kind of wrap my head around the real estate terms and aspects of the company itself and the industry. Um, so yeah, I've learned a lot about real estate that I would have never known if I hadn't been working at this company.、Mm. So greenfield to maybe a store <laughs> developed on the land <laughs> with a major grocery store coming on the way. <laughs> Progress,、exactly. pave that paradise. <laughs> yes, maybe have some space for the paradise though. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta have a balance. So, has it helped you make、uh, investment decisions?、Mm, in terms of investing in stocks or real estate, what do you mean? Investing in real estate.、Mm, maybe it's interesting to know what goes into the value of real estate and how it can fluctuate. But I would say. The value of real estate overall—it's—it's it's like any normal stock. It's just all based on information. If the market perceives X Y Z building as very valuable, then of course the value will go up. It's just speculation. People think it's worth more when it might not be. There could be, I don't know, mold or something. Upon inspection, you're like, oh, well, I guess the value went down. Well, I'm not in. I'm not in the housing market, though. So my company does commercial real estate, as in,、um, it's like your major box grocery stores. It's your plazas.、Um, it's the smaller tenants, like the mom and pop shops, that we kind of rent out to, lease to. We don't do like home developments. 
um, we actually started partnering with some companies to look into residential. But again, it's not like my company wants to specialize. They just don't know enough to run projects on their own. So I don't have insight, I guess, into housing specifically, but the way real estate is valued is kind of the same across any type of like property type, I guess. How much are we talking here? And, you know, in terms of these plazas, how much are they worth that property? Oh my, I, I have no idea. I, I really don't know. Um, I don't really keep track of the value of the plaza itself. My team, we really analyze, we don't really value, like we don't really analyze the value of the land in terms of resale or the value of the land itself. But what my team does is analyze the potential. We analyze the potential of the units, um, the available units to rent out and lease. So from that, I guess we could safely say, I don't know, easily like 50 million for some sites. Um, and they might not be huge. They could just be one regular grocery store and like two or three tenants. And that could easily be 50 million because again, it's the potential, right? You could do a lot with certain land spaces. Just look at Toronto. Yeah. <laughs> a little one, like three bedroom townhouses, easily one and a half million if you're downtown Toronto. And it's like, that's insane, but it is downtown, right? So it depends would you like to plug anything or uh, give the audience some uh, sage wisdom from your years of experience uh i think being open being open has been really helpful for me in my career i've never really said no to learning something even if it's even if it doesn't seem interesting to me or if i think why would I learn that? Like, it doesn't serve me at all. It's always good to at least attend a session or try to, or hear someone out about something they're trying to teach you. It, it might benefit you. It might change your career. Who knows? People have changed for far much less. Like someone could say something and then it gets you thinking there's an idea and then you explore the idea and then you're like, oh, wait, I actually really love this. Um, I might change my career entirely based on like a small conversation. So I think being open to learning is always good advice. Mm. I agree. Always learn. Yeah. Like I said, work in progress always. You know, there's a podcast called Work in Progress. Sophia I Bush. Did not know that. I did not know that. I will check it out after this. <laughs> Plugging Sophia Bush now. Uh, you, have you heard of Sophia Bush? She's she used to be on uh, One Tree was Hill, was it? One Tree Hill, yeah. I, yeah, I think I know who she is. She's got the raspy voice. Oh, okay. I think yeah, <laughs> we're thinking about the same person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think when people start thinking that they're done learning that's when they fall into trouble. Mm. Yeah. If you think that you have nothing left to learn, 
it's either you need to seek the information yourself uh, in terms of, you know, taking a course or um, seeking out a new mentor. Sometimes it's just you really don't have much left to learn at your job. Um, and if you're not due for promotion anytime soon, it's time to look elsewhere. So once you believe that you're done learning, that's when you really, something needs to change. Yeah, you need to stop believing that and yeah. start believing that you're never going to be enough and that everyone's better than you and you need to learn every day, all day. I wouldn't say it's that. I wouldn't say that you, you need to start thinking that you're not. It's just you can believe that you're enough, but you can also believe that there's more to it than being enough. Mm. It's a journey. Yes. It's a process. Yes. It's a destination. Uh, destinations imply that you can stop learning, so no. <laughs> <laughs> You can have pit stops. That was a you test. You passed the test. Hooray. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's a weird balance. You know, uh, a lot of what motivates people to continuously learn is like they feel like they're never enough. And then when they start to feel like they're satisfied, then they're like, okay, I guess I don't have to keep learning. But actually the people who uh, go the furthest are the people who just enjoy learning. It doesn't come out of a place of like insecurity or, uh, you know, just like dissatisfaction. It's more of a curiosity and, uh, and, uh, just, a a need to continue that process. Agreed. Very well said. Hmm. That's been a difficult transition for me. It's always been like, I got to learn. I can't fail. And now it's like, oh, I have to enjoy learning? Okay, well, I guess I'll learn different things. <laughs> learning is fun. It's not just for the money. Oh, my. <laughs> not to please our parents with our high paychecks. <laughs> That's news to many people. Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard for sure. I mean, you can't... I know a lot of people feel like they can't continue learning because there's so many life factors like... You have bills to pay. You have dependents. But at the same time, like there's small things you can learn. I'm not saying like you need to seek knowledge for the purpose of better, like bettering yourself. Sometimes you just want to know more. Like mm. I'm not saying you always have to constantly improve yourself. I'm just saying you could always be improving yourself. You don't have to, but you could. And I think just taking the first step of being like, What's that is a great first step. That is the end of the show. As I said a few days ago, the show will be moving to a monthly frequency to accommodate my new hobby of vigilante crime fighting. If you have ideas for the show or you'd like to be a guest, send me a voice note at excellentquestions.fm or message me through yahyakala.com. See you next month.